Hey, hey, we are back here at Sweep the League. It's uh, Stats, it's Rudy Campos. And we just came off of the NFL draft. We're going to get into some draft talk. Also, a uh, quick mention about uh, some of the events we're going to be covering as well coming up here in the month of May. And one thing we failed to mention in the last episode, Stats, is the NBA playoffs. It's like... I'm excited for the playoffs, but I'm not excited for the playoffs. I, I catch myself not really wanting to watch a lot of them. So got a quick, quick thing on that, you know, what I want to talk to you about, because it kind of bothered me a little bit as to why I'm not in the playoffs. But nonetheless, this is Sweep the League. We are back. And I want to dive right into it, man. Before I even ask how you're doing here, why does it feel like the NBA playoffs to me feels like MLB? where I don't really give a shit until the last, like, four teams are left. Is that the only, like, is that the vibe that you get? Because that's the kind of the vibe I have. I'm like, eh, the playoffs are going on. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I don't find myself watching them like I do year in, year out. Yeah, I I can hear you, man. I, I can understand that. I mean, with me, I'm not a huge, like, huge, huge baseball fan. But whenever the World Series rolls around, um, I'll usually end up watching like a few of those games, and they're they're fun. You know, they're they're fun. They're exciting. So I can I can understand not being as invested in the NBA playoffs, especially those early rounds and the play-in tournament and such. Uh, to me, the play-in tournament's kind of a consolation prize. I mean, I get it. They want to get more teams involved, get more uh, revenue, get more fans invested in, you know, like their team potentially making it in. But uh, I, I honestly don't really care about the play-in tournament. Um, but, in you know, the first round can be pretty interesting. Um, one of the best stories in the NBA right now is uh, the Miami Heat. Um, they they eliminated the number one seeded Milwaukee Bucks. Now, yeah. they did get some help. They did get some big help with Giannis not playing in like three of those games. Um, But still, an eight seed beat a one seed. And with what Eric Spolstra, we've talked about Coach Spolstra before on this podcast. But this is a testament to how good of a coach he is and how good of a culture they have over there. Uh, We've praised the Miami Heat on this podcast before, but, you know, we can't say it enough. They are one of the premier locker rooms uh premier organizations in terms of leadership and management that we have in the nba right now so uh, you know we've talked about the spurs in the past how they have had like some of the best management some of the best coaching in the past i think right now the miami heat probably have the best organization in the nba as far as leadership and management you know i I, I dare go on a limb here, and I, I will piss off everybody, but I really truly believe this. And what's funny is there's a lot of uh, NBA analysts that I've even talked to recently that have kind of agreed to this point. I would rank Spolstra ahead of Steve Kerr. I would rank Spolstra ahead of a lot of coaches, with the exception of Greg Popovich. I I almost put Spols number two, dare I say. I mean, that's mm-hmm. my argument. And I get it. Kerr's won, what, four titles? I mean, mm-hmm. whatever, with the Warriors, you know. But it goes back to, like, he took over for Mark Jackson, who Mark Jackson originally had that team. Given If Mark would have had a couple more seasons, I think, yeah, I think the Warriors do win a title. I think they had that squad. They were determined to win a title. But 
my thing is like I would rank Spolstra ahead of Steve Kerr. I'd I'd rank him ahead of everybody with the exception of Pop as far as coaching goes. Can that well, case be made? Yeah, well, I think so. But you also have to look at in look at the current teams right now. Like Steve Kerr, he's got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Kevon Looney, who's playing out of his mind right now. And Jordan Poole getting... travels every time. I'm just gonna say that he travels every damn time. <laughs> Yeah, I think you know. There's another conversation we we could really be having with with Pool being potentially one of the most overrated players in the league. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know we'll save that for another time. But that there is definitely a case for that. Um, but going back to it, I mean, Steve Kerr's roster is loaded. I mean, we, I didn't even mention Draymond Green, Moody. Um, they have a bunch of guys on that roster who are talented. And then you look at Spolstra, and it's like Jimmy Butler, Bam, and then. Like what? They have Kyle Lowry, but he's getting guys like Struess and Martin who were like, oh, like what was it? Miami Heat, the, the Heat had like a bunch of, um, what was it? Like rookie free agents or something that they brought mm-hmm. in. And like for Spolstra to get some of these guys to perform at the highest potential that he can get out of them is a testament to how much of an effective leader he is, in my opinion. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Like, I mean, you have a. I, I get it. And like, I mean, okay, yeah. compare the teams. Curse team compared to Miami's team. Miami didn't even play um, Jimmy Butler in that last game against the Knicks, and they still kept it competitive. Yeah. It was wild. You got guys like Gabe Vincent putting up 20 burgers. Um, you know, Martin coming up with huge blocks and playing hard. Like, Spolster just knows how to get these guys to play to their fullest. And guys like playing like we didn't even know they could could go out there and ball like that. He gets the most out of his players, and that's funny because we hear that from what other coach in the league? Greg Popovich. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gets the most out of his players, and that's something that Spolstra does. We gotta have that debate one day. We gotta have that because I think, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, he he's got some titles under his belt, but if you take off LeBron and, you know, D-Wade and the Bosch era, he still does a damn good job coaching. I mean, a really damn good job coaching with what he's given. And it's not like he's given scraps. He's given journeymen, you know, and rookies, like you said. And he makes it work. He he is definitely probably the second best coach in the league. And I'm going to I'm gonna go to you. I'm going to go to bed happy knowing that I said that. And I'm going to stick by it, you know, to probably the day I die. That, you know, in this era, I think Eric Spolstra is definitely the second best coach in the league behind Pop. Nonetheless, man, yeah, I mean, the playoffs are the playoffs. I'm really not interested too much right now. I, I'm watching them sparingly as it is, you know, as of this recording, Boston's getting his uh Philadelphia's getting his ass kicked by Boston after beating Boston without Joel and beating game one. So James Harden's back, dude. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's oh my gosh. It, you know what? It is what it is, man. I'm gonna, I'm waiting for, like I said, the finals. Everybody's hyped to the Lakers Warriors series. I'm not even excited about it. I can really don't give a damn about it. You know, the Knicks and Miami. It's kind of like, ah, eh, okay. You know, that's cool. Boston, Philadelphia. Okay, Denver, Phoenix. I mean. I, I see Denver just smashing Phoenix, and that's kind of what you know. I think it's going to happen. 
my my title pick from the beginning of the year is still alive and I still picked them to win and that's Denver. I mean mm-hmm. um so looking I, really good, man. They are. And I'm I'm like, okay, I'm I'm gonna just wait till the finals come around. And if Denver doesn't make the finals, I may not watch any more NBA the rest of the year. I'm just not interested. I have no idea why. I'm just not interested in it. But one thing that we are interested in, month of May, man. So we've been covering missions baseball. You went with me the last time. I got to ask, how was your experience for the first time covering a missions game? Oh, it was a blast, man. It was really cool being up in the boxes and just, you know, just getting on the media thing and, you know, doing uh, help helping the franchise out, man. I think that's that's the big thing. It's it feels good to contribute. Don't get me wrong, like the the aura, the experience, the game day vibe. If you really feel it, especially in person, but to be able to contribute and help out like that from a media standpoint, man, it's it's a load of fun. It is, man. And I I, I told you being in the press box is just it just has that different feel of it. And it's not because of the free food. I can't eat any of the damn food anyway. It's all <laughs> it's all great food, but because of this damn healthy eating that I'm on, they served what? It was like enchiladas, rice, and beans. I'm like, oh, my God, that's one of my weaknesses. And I, I just wanted to tear it up, but couldn't even do that. But, yeah, we are bringing you missions coverage, missions baseball. Go out and support San Antonio Missions. I mean, great organization. They do things the right way. David Robinson's part owner, Maginoli's part owner. I mean, you've got a lot of great people backing it. Go out and find us out there, Sweep the League. Uh, myself and Stats, as well as other people, will be out there covering the games. Also, May 20th, brother, TMB Promotions is back May 20th at the Tech Port Center. All right, I, I got to make sure you're going that day. You got to go to that one because you weren't there at the last Tech Port Center fight. That's big. That's big time. Dude, TechPort's awesome. So I'm really I'm really excited to go to an actual, you know, like boxing event there because I think it's a great venue. So I'm pumped to see what what the whole environment and everything looks like. It was fantastic last time. I the vibe was just like electrifying as if you know, the rock himself, Dwayne Johnson, was there electrifying, you know, the crowd and it was amazing. I, I enjoyed it. So May 20th, we're going to be out there as well. We're going to be covering it. It'll be myself. It'll be stats. It probably will be Rock and Shamayo. We're also going to try to get a couple more people there to provide a lot more content, a lot more stuff for TMB. We're just continuing to grow on our content. Every show that we cover for them gets better and better. We try dropping as much videos, as much content as we can. While it's going on, you're getting live updates. You're just getting everything from Sweep the League. So be sure to follow us across all social media. That's coming up in May. But the thing that finished, man, is it's it's freaking the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. This is I can't really say there was a lot of losers in this draft. There really wasn't a lot of losers. I I really did like. Uh, a lot of the uh, the draft classes that were um, that were uh, taking place this year, a lot of good grades, man. I mean, a lot of good grades. I I will admit that there was a couple of teams out there, and one of them was one of my favorites, the Lions. I'm like, okay, uh, what in the hell happened to the y'all? I I I'm over here thinking Lions are going to be you know big time in this, and they go out and can we say they shit the bed? I mean, he, 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 I'm glad you mentioned the Lions because um, 
I noticed some people were scratching their heads with the Gibbs pick in the first round. What what were your thoughts on that? So originally I thought, what the hell? Like, come on. Like Jamar Gibbs, I, I get it. Bijan Robinson is is the man when it came to the running backs in this draft. He was the man. But I see them take Jamar Gibbs at 12, and I'm like, first thing that hit me is WTF. But then once I sat there and I thought about it, okay, what's up with DeAndre Swift then? And lo and behold, he gets moved to Philadelphia, which, again, the Eagles just went from Super Bowl runner-ups, went to basically bridesmaids to we're pretty much going to be the bride. And we're going to get into that later here as to why. But scary. Seeing DeAndre Swift moved, okay, that tells me one thing. More than likely, you're not going to be able to pay DeAndre Swift. So move him now. Get a good running back. Get a running back like Jamar Gibbs. Now, Jamar Gibbs and DeAndre Swift, yeah, that's hand-in-hand there. Pretty much the same player, in my opinion. So... Mm -hmm. You're trading DeAndre, you get Jamar Gibbs. Okay, now it makes sense. You go to 18, and I'm like, all right, they, they got to make a splash at 18, right? I mean, come on, it's it's Detroit. You got to do something at 18, and they go out and get Jack Campbell. You know, we're talking linebacker out of Iowa. And I'm like, wait a minute, okay, that this, this doesn't make sense at all. You could use another receiver. Why? Jameson Williams is going to be suspended for the first six games. You still had guys out there like Jackson Smith and Jigba, the number one rated wide receiver in this draft class. Zay Flowers is out there. You want to get crazy? Jordan Addison was still out there. But you still got to fill that cornerback slot as well. So why are you passing up on a Deontay Banks? I mean, where, why they went Jack Campbell? I don't know. But here's the thing. A lot of these analysts gave that an A grade. I still don't know why. I'm trying to figure out why Detroit got an A for the Jack Gamble pick. I mean, there was so many players out there that would have made so much sense that I don't know, man. I I'm, I'm dumbfounded. But nonetheless, Detroit bounced back. In the second and third round and, you know, day three, they went balls to the wall. And they put a squad together. We're talking they got Brian Branch, one of the top-rated safeties in the second round. Sam Laporta, one of the best tight ends in this draft class in the second round. Oh, you know what? Jared Goff, you've done great. You've done good. We need a quarterback for the future. They went and got one of the highly rated QBs in Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Not only that, Broderick Martin in the third as well. Huge, huge, man. So the Lions did bounce back. It's just that Jack Campbell pick that supposedly was like their best pick in the entire draft confused me. What were your thoughts on the Jamar Gibbs thing? Well, again, like like you said, it was a little bit head-scratching. Until we found out that, okay, they were shipping uh, DeAndre Swift, which makes sense because, like you said, they don't want to pay DeAndre. They're going to have to end up paying him, but he also has been dealing with injury issues lately. And I could see why the Lions, you know, and as, as we talked about on the podcast, just these organizations just being very hesitant about giving big contracts and like paying these running backs because of the injury bug. Mm -hmm. um, usually after they end up getting paid these big contracts or the extensions, 
you know, something ends up happening uh, health wise. And um, it just the quality of the running ends up going down. So um, in hindsight, you know, you need someone you need a back to compliment. Uh, was it David Montgomery? Right. That yeah. They just got. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they picked up David Montgomery. Yeah. Gibbs to me is a good compliment to Montgomery. Have that thunder and lightning pairing. Um, I mean, they kind of did that anyway with Swift and Jamal Williams uh, last season. So um, they're continuing their little two-back system here, and it'll allow Gibbs to have some experience doing his thing without having the pressure of carrying the load um, since he's going to have another quality back in David Montgomery there. Yeah, and, you know, on a draft grade, which everybody out there needs to know, I'm releasing my draft grades um, this week. I'm starting with the NFC East. That's already done. That's going up actually – it would go up yesterday or probably tonight or today sometime. That's going to be the first one going up. So my draft grades are going to be on our Substack, sweepthelink.substack.com. So go and subscribe to that so you can get all the draft grades that are coming up. Um, I'll give you a little preview on the draft grades for the NFC East. But for Detroit, it's it's kind of weird because I, I had them like at a B- minus with those first two picks. Then the DeAndre Swift thing comes out. I was like, okay, I'll give him a B. Then looking at the rest of the draft, I was like, all right, A minus, A minus, B plus, B plus on the low end, A minus. That the rest of the draft just they they slayed that rest of that draft for them. They they made up a whole lot of ground with those picks. But again, maybe Jack Campbell is gonna be that next linebacker, you know, that is gonna pose a threat, man. What what did you have questions as draft wise? Because I know there's probably some stuff going through your head that is kind of like, okay. What is this? What is that? You got any teams in mind that you're thinking, all right, why did they do this? What did they do that? I'm not the draft expert. I'm not the draft guru, but I will say this. I am the the draft aficionado in my household. All right. Well, I'm glad uh, I'm doing this podcast with the right person then, huh? Yeah, at least in the household. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I believe you. I believe you. I'm going to roll with that. But um yeah, there is there is one pick uh, here in this first round in particular that has uh, has a lot of people talking. Don't um, do it. Don't do it. I know I'm you're gonna probably going to do it, but don't yep. do it. Yep, I'm going to have to do it. The Indianapolis Colts. Oh, you did roll. it. They go Anthony Richardson, <laughs> a quarterback. I want to hear your <sighs> thoughts on this because I've heard I've heard um, people taking both sides of this. So uh, just I I got to get your your insight on this one. So Anthony Richardson. For me, and again, this is all my draft research, my draft uh, videos, everything that I studied and everything. Anthony Richardson is the biggest project pick in the entire draft for me at QB. Now, there's one word, and I've always told everybody when it comes to NBA draft, NFL draft, or whatever, especially in the NBA, but in this case, it is based off of potential potential is the one word that can really and i'm trying really hard not to cuss on the podcast anymore um but i really got to use this word because it's it really is strong potential is the one word that can fuck your team for life or at least for a while and that is the one thing that i'm seeing with the colts they're basing this fourth pick the fourth the overall pick on Anthony Richardson on potential. As it is, I do not expect him to be the starter going into next year. I I think Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles will probably be that guy to start. 
So nonetheless, if you're if you're wasting a top four, your top pick, which is the fourth overall, on a player who's more than likely not going to start right away, what the hell are you doing? When you can go back and say, okay, rounds three or four, you have a guy like Hendon Hooker there. You're going to have a guy like Jay Kerner there in the fifth from Fresno State. Tanner McKee was there way late in the draft, I think like sixth, seventh round. There, there's so many guys that fit an NFL style, NFL ready system that the Colts could have got way later in the draft. So, in turn, you could have gone and got a Christian Gonzalez. You could have gone and got, you know, hell, you want to try to move Jonathan Taylor and go get a Bijan Robinson, get Jonathan Taylor somewhere else to give him, you know, get yourself more assets or whatever. Fine. The Richardson pick was a massive head scratcher. I don't know anybody who, unless you're just a dopey Indianapolis Colts fan, that was happy about that pick. And I could be wrong. They're saying Chris Ballard and all these other guys for the Colts are like, he's the second coming of Cam Newton. Cam Newton went to one Super Bowl. Outside of that, Cam Newton was remembered for the scarfs that he wore in his press conferences. I mean, Cam Newton was relevant for, what, three seasons, maybe? So you're basing, you're putting all of your eggs into the Anthony Richardson basket. For what? Like, really, for what? Is that a good enough answer for you there? Or do I need to go more? Because I can rant a whole lot more. I mean, that's a pretty good answer. <laughs> You're pretty, uh, yeah, this pick was definitely... Um... I guess electrifying to say the least. Uh, a lot of people were talking about this one, and again, I've heard that word "project," potential project. But um, a lot of the analysts were saying that this is going to be on the coaching staff, and um, all the pressure is going to be on them to make this pick work, to develop him, uh, to get him ready, uh, because this is the kind of pick that, like you mentioned, he's got all this potential, but it could also break this, you know, this team for. The next couple of years, if he doesn't work out, it, yeah, that's the thing is you're breaking this team if he doesn't work out. And again, uh, go to video, man. I, I mean, you got to go to video. Nothing on Florida's game film shows Anthony Richardson being a top four or five pick. None the never mind the first round pick. If you want to grab him in the first round then draft him late in the first round. There's a reason why Will Levis didn't go in the first round. And to me, Will Levis is a little bit more polished than Anthony Richardson. That should tell you a lot. I mean, the the thing with Richardson is like, it is pure project, pure prospect on there, like potential. You're drafting it based off of stuff. But when I'm going back to game film, who gives a damn if he can throw 80-yard bombs, you know, at a pro day? There's nobody rushing him. There's no defenders anywhere on the field. I can make myself look fantastic with nobody around me. Nobody coming at me. Nobody rushing me. And especially no cornerback, you know, or safety on one of the receivers. I can make myself look good. Everybody can. So 
that's where a lot of people are getting, oh, my God, he he looked fantastic on his pro day. He was crisp. The ball was coming out good. He was, you know, he was, you know, getting it 80 yards down. He was doing this. He was doing that. I'm like, it's a freaking pro day. He He's not doing it against anybody. You know, the kid, he's a kid. He, it's not going to work out for the Colts. And again, I have great, I have friends that are big time Colt fans. Maybe it'll work out for them. And if it does, I'll come on the podcast and be like, hey, I was wrong. I was totally wrong. But I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't think I'm going to have to do that. The Colt, the Colts in general, to me, they kind of, they kind of asked the bed on the first two picks with Richardson and then the second round, they got Julius Brents. Where they salvaged themselves was right after that. Josh Downs probably was number two on my wide receiver list, like a really good number two on my wide receiver list. Him and Zay Flowers were definitely, you know, two and three, just, you know, interchangeable. Uh, Break Freeland, uh, offensive tackle for BYU, massively needed it. They need that offensive line. And they actually got Jake Witt in the seventh round. And that was, to me, that was a really good pick. So they got two really good offensive linemen. Uh, but they nailed it everywhere else, man. I mean, Will Mallory at the tight end position, he played for Miami. Really good value there in the fifth round. I mean, they they, they nailed it out of the park with the exception of the Richardson pick. If, if you're not going to start him day one, why the hell are you using that fourth pick on him? I mean, it makes no sense. So that that's my take on the Richardson thing. Um, you got anything else, man? Any other questions before I, I kind of dive into some of these winners and losers? I mean, was there anything else you thought? Well, let me ask him because uh, he may have another, you know, you know, gold mic rant here or something. Okay, I actually do. And funny enough, it has to do with both of the New York teams. So uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, so the New York Jets offensive line ranks 24th overall in the league. The New York Giants offensive line ranks 29th in the league. So they have high priority. They had high priority going into this draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, Neither one of those teams went offensive linemen in the first round. Is that concerning at all for you? Yes, but... Where they didn't go offensive lineman in the first round, they they smashed it in the second round. Both teams did. Now the Jets in hand, you got Aaron Rodgers. You just traded for him. You know Aaron Rodgers is not the Aaron Rodgers of old. So you've got to protect him. They got a center out of Wisconsin, Joe Tipman. Great center. He's going to be a major factor them for a long time but where the jets really did fantastic and the reason why i'm giving them you know a solid like b b plus which i have i've given you all a little preview of that b b plus was because of carter warren offensive tackle out of pittsburgh getting him in the fourth round you've got two guys there that are going to be able to fit right into that jets offensive line and i think where you're looking at is okay you're thinking why don't the Jets go, you know, first round, you've got the 15th pick. You still got a lot of guys there. I mean, you could have gone Osiris Torrance. You could have traded down, even though Torrance went later on in the next few rounds. You could have got a, a Osiris Torrance. You could have traded down, got an Anton Harrison out of uh, Oklahoma. A lot of guys there. Cody Mock was still there. You could have gotten one of the better offensive linemen in the game 
why they went Will McDonald on the edge, I got no idea. That was another head scratcher. That was another, you know, probably middle finger to Jets fans by the Jets front office on the Will McDonald pick. But they did bounce back with the Tipman and Warren picks uh, back to back in the second and the fourth round. So I think I think they knew they could probably get some good value in the second and, you know, later rounds when it comes to the offensive line. But the Giants, man, I can easily say as much as the Giants need the offensive line help, they did get probably the best interior offensive lineman in the draft in uh, John Michael Schmitz. And they got him in the second round. Where the Giants were drafting in the first round at 24, they could have gone Anton Harrison, which I think uh, in my draft grades, uh, that's probably where I figured they could have gone uh, in the first round was Anton Harrison. But then you stop and think, okay, you've got the Eagles, man. You've got the Cowboys. You've got to be able to stop those offenses. So bolstering that secondary and getting a Deontay Banks out of Maryland with that first pick was massive for the Giants. I really totally understand why they went cornerback and didn't go offensive line. Praise the Giants on that. They were able to get John Michael Smiths um, in the second round. Didn't get a whole lot of offensive linemen. In fact, uh, I think Smiths was the only offensive lineman they got in the draft. But nonetheless, they, the Giants still have a decent offensive line. They just need another one. And Smiths is going to be the anchor for that offensive line. For years and years to come, man. And I have no problems with the Giants offensive line. I think it's going to be a lot better than people are expecting this season. Okay, yeah. I, I, again, I was just curious what uh, what your thoughts were on the on both of those uh, line situations. So it sounds like both teams covered it. But again, like going back to the Jets, uh, I was surprised that they went with the edge over like an offensive lineman with uh, the pick that they had. But I mean, that goes to show you that the, the importance of scouting, of seeing, okay, how far... Uh, certain players are going to drop that are still very skilled in what they do in their position. So, and I totally agree, man. I mean, that's something that I, I'm, I'm like, okay, you, you just traded for Aaron Rodgers. You, if it's me and I'm the Jets, I've got a really, I've got a good defense. I've got pretty good offense. I'm using my first three picks on offensive linemen, which they use two of them. But you could have got one of the better offensive linemen in the draft at 15. Yeah, see, it, that's what I thought, too. I, it, I thought they were going to use that that positioning. So even if you're saying, okay, well, we don't want to draft him this high. Trade down. I, I mean, you could have traded down. Okay, the Giants probably would have loved to trade down. I mean, trade it up. Why? Because they go to 15. Yes, they get a Deontay Banks, but they would rather have a Christian Gonzalez or an Emmanuel Forbes. I mean, those are your top two cornerbacks. So why not give them a call? What what made Will McDonald that much more special that you had to take him at 15, where you could have got Will McDonald much later? You're right. It should have been offensive lineman for the Jets. And if you feel like you're still you're paying too much for too much of a price at 15 for one of those offensive linemen trade down, just trade down and get someone later while you're collecting assets. The jets should have drafted offensive line for the first three picks, maybe even four picks. Everything else was just gravy after that for them. But yeah, I, um, 
I'm with you on that. The Jets, the Jets really should have really should have done a better job drafting the offensive line, getting it ready for um, Aaron Rodgers to come in. And it, it is what it is, man. You know, that, that's been done. But speaking of Rodgers' uh, former team, dude, the Packers, they loaded up on this draft. They're one of my favorite teams in this draft, actually. They're 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 low key, as the kids say, as you kids say, low key. One of my favorite um, grades in this draft, and I, I'm actually giving them probably like I'm going to give them an A minus on it. But they go out and get a Lucas Van Ness, another another defensive anchor, and then the same thing in the first round. Uh, uh, the 42nd, they get um, Lucas Musgrave, tight end. Definitely need that. Jaden Reed out of Michigan State's going to be a burner, dude. He's going to be good for them. Uh, they went and got back-to-back tight end. They got Tucker Kraft out of South Dakota State. The one guy that I really, really am excited for uh, is Carrington. It's Carrington Valentine, cornerback out of, Valentine, uh, out of Kentucky in the seventh round. You want to talk... They had a seventh round like nobody's business. Anthony Johnson, defensive back from Iowa State, their last pick, Grant DeBose, out of wide receiver out of Charlotte. <laughs> Chef's kiss. They they literally loaded the wide receiver position in this draft for Jordan Love. It's going to be pretty good for, for Green Bay. It's just going to take a little bit of time, a little bit of time on that. Um, but nonetheless... I got to get into the Texas teams too, but you you have any team on there where you probably looked at and thought, okay, this is this is a good draft. I like this draft. I like this team. Uh, I think they did good. If you got one team out there that you think, or maybe one team you thought just shit the bed, what do you think? Oh man, well you're gonna you're gonna get into this this team uh, one being one of the Texas teams, but I I thought the Texans slayed that first round. Of the draft, I thought they did really, really well. Really, the Texans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought they, oh, I thought they got man. what they needed. But man, because I wasn't expecting that that trade up, and then, well, you're going to talk about both of the Texas teams, so I'm getting ahead of myself here. No, but... no, you're 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 perfectly fine, man. Because I, I know we got a, I know we got a few minutes left, so we're going to get into the Texas teams now. We're gonna. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go on your Houston Texans. Where you loved the Texans, I hated the Texans picks. Really? Yeah. All right. All right. I want to hear this. I'm curious. So, okay, I get it. You need a QB. You definitely need a QB. But where CJ Stroud is compared to, well, you know what? F it. Let me ask you this. You answer me this. Are the Texans winning the Super Bowl next year? No. Are they making the playoffs next year? They could. That division's not very good. Are you serious? Do you think they have a chance to make the playoffs, even on a crappy cold squad, knowing they have even Tennessee, who's not great? No, Tennessee's not making the playoffs next season. But you're going to put them possibly over Jacksonville. Uh, we don't know if Jacksonville's actually going to get better. I I think they got better. But nonetheless, you think they might make the playoffs. Okay. You're one of you're one of the believers in the Houston Texans, where I'm not. But I say they're not. If if you're not going to make the playoffs, then you're going to be back in the you know top of the draft. So why not roll with Davis Mills another year? 
why not if you're going to trade up to three again and have the second and third pick why don't you go with the Jalen Carter Will Anderson duo to your defense like just anchor the ever-living shit out of your defense or you know what you want to get crazy grab another cornerback you know you can go get a Devon Witherspoon or a Christian Gonzalez hell I mean Paris Johnson somebody like that for your offensive line gear up and get ready for Drake May for Caleb Williams for you know yeah. a Bo Nix next year's quarterback draft class mark is stupid good as of right now with the guys coming out it is stupid good so take the year off texans you went and got cj stroud okay great you could have had a guy next year who where cj ranks next year is probably like third fourth maybe fourth i mean you've got guys coming out next year that if they were to come out this year, they would have been way ahead of these guys, like way ahead. Anthony Richardson would have been a late round, late, later round pick. Will Levis probably would have gone in the third or fourth. I mean, that's where I'm the that's why I did not like the Texans taking a quarterback at two. So you just didn't you didn't like the direction in general. No, I think ah. this draft, the key word for this draft, I think was panic. You saw a lot of teams panic and where the Texans took a quarterback, where you didn't need a quarterback. You're, you're not going to win the Super Bowl. To me, you're not going to win very many games anyway. You're not going to win that many games anyway right now. Who's your main receiver? I mean, they got a decent receiving core, but again, it's like, it's kind of like, well, Okay, what do we do? I mean, I don't even care that they traded up to Will Anderson. I think if they would have stayed at 12, they would have been fine. You know, or wherever they were supposed to have been, uh, they would have been fine there. It would have been perfect for them. Uh, They would have got some damn good value there. Yeah, and the Houston Texans O-line was a priority. So I I can see where they probably could have just gone Paris Johnson instead of CJ. So Paris Johnson, you know, get... Let me let me go in this direction with you. Is Davis Mills a better quarterback with better protection? We don't know. Give him, give him. You've seen David Mills' glimpse of some great game. He's had some really good games. He's led him to victory. But give that guy a chance to stand up and have a, you know a little more time in the pocket. Maybe he's better than what you think. So. That's where I did not like the Texans. And honestly, I I give them a C plus, maybe B minus on that entire draft. The the best pick for them, I feel Will Anderson, I'm not really sold on, but I get why they did it. I mean, probably outside of Jalen Carter, one of the top prospects, probably one or two top prospects in this entire draft. Xavier Hutchinson at in the sixth round. I, I think that's gonna be your wide receiver one eventually. Xavier Hutchinson was a a beast at Iowa State. And I, I think you're gonna Texan fans are gonna love him once he gets going. So that was my rant on the Texans. Where you loved it, I did not. I I think this draft was was a bust for the Texans. I'm just saying it. It was a really big bust. They they could have done 
so much. And when my draft grades come out for the Texans, I have a part where it says, what if I, I wish I could just put, what if they just do the whole draft over again? But then again, I have to pick one player and I think that one player surprisingly is going to be CJ Stroud at number two. That's going to surprise a lot of people. But the Cowboys, man, we'll get into Cowboys talk because this will be our last one. Uh, don't forget, Special Leaf Tea, man. Everybody go out, support Special Leaf Tea. Machismo Libre hot sauce. It's hot. Just like the Dallas Cowboys on draft night. But you know what? It wasn't blue flame hot stats where that's the hottest of hot, blue flame. I think it was like sparkler hot. It was sparkler hot. And I I was kind of, I'm kind of back and forth on the grade that I gave the Cowboys. I'm not going to give you the grade of what I gave them. I want people to go out and read on the sub stack here. But it wasn't an A. I'm going to teeter on the, it was a C to a B plus, maybe B, right around B. It was right in that range there. What first off, your first thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys draft? Do you think it was a good one, or do you think it was bad? I actually thought they were going to go with an O lineman, like in that first round. Should have with uh yes, and we had talked about this on on our last episode. We we talked about the significance and importance of them, especially just retooling that line to to protect Dak because. I'm telling you, Dak is going to be, I mean, he's already under the, he was under the spotlight already, but he's going to be under that spotlight even more next season because it's going to be all on his shoulders. I think that O-line's got to be able to protect him. They got to be able to run the ball. Um, they already made some significant moves this off season. Um, mm-hmm. As we talked about getting Gilmore in there, that's a big deal for that defense. Uh, someone to pair along with Diggs. Um, but yeah, I was kind of surprised they didn't go for a an O lineman in that first round. There were plenty of quality names there, and uh, I'm and again like we had talked about it. I thought that's what direction they were going in. Anton Harrison was picked right after them. One of the best O O linemen in the game, like in the draft, right there. You still had guys like Cody Mock. He didn't go to the second round to Tampa Bay of all places. Like Jesus, why? There's so many guys that were there still that the Cowboys passed on. Osiris Torrance, the guy who literally is the inside protector of that offensive line, you know, was there. John Michael Schmitz, the guy who I had been screaming for the Cowboys to take the entire pre-draft stuff. I'm like, you've got to take John Michael Schmitz. That... That is the guy, the main anchor for the Cowboys for years. He he was that nasty center that was going to make sure that nobody effed with Dak. Didn't even think about it. They went Mozzie Smith. Tackle, no defensive tackle from Michigan. Nose tackle to be exact. Why does everybody love that pick? Because he's he fills a void. He's gonna he's gonna you know basically clog up the gaps. He's gonna clog up everything, make it tough for them in the run game. Cool, cool. I you're mean, gonna, that was an issue for them last season. You're gonna stop the Commanders. Cool. I mean, you've got to be able to outscore these guys. You know the other teams. Mossy Smith, you're gonna stop DeAndre Swift. Awesome. 
you're you're relying on your two cornerbacks to to take that burden off where you could have gotten you know an offensive lineman you could have got even in the second round man i mean they went in and got um luke schoonmaker again another one and here's what's sad man you draft anton harrison in the first round he goes right after you do you pick what happens in the second round cowboys take luke schoonmaker oh buffalo says oh why thank you dallas we'll take osiris torrance can you imagine an offensive line with harrison and torrance that is two man manly men there to where dak would feel like as safe as you know a baby being protected by all of its guard dogs like no one would touch that dak in that case that that is so surprising to me but again cowboys love you know cowboy fans love their defensive pick uh michael parsons you know celebrated on draft night because it was a fantastic pick and it helps him on the defensive end Good luck, Dak. That's all I can say. I will say this. Uh, I seen Richards, uh, offensive lineman from North Carolina, drafting the fifth round. That was, for me, their best value pick. Um, versatile guy. Versatile guy. I fully expect that, you know, the Cowboys have had some injuries on the offensive line uh, lately on the uh, on the season. I seen Richards could definitely step in and become a starter and remain a starter. So, they did do one good thing, right? They did do a couple of good things in the draft. I'm not going to give you all the details on that. Um, do have their draft grade coming up on the Substack, which again will be released uh, today or tomorrow, actually. So be sure to check that out. But nonetheless, great draft night. A lot of uh, a lot of head scratchers in this draft. Uh, makes guys like me feel like, what the hell did we do all these mock drafts and research for? For you bastards not to just listen to us because we know everything, right? <laughs> Um, I will say this: Deuce Vaughn is a perfect compliment for the Cowboys. I do like that. I really like that pick. That was a really good pick by them, by the way. So, you got anything left in the draft, man? Or are we done for tonight? No, I think we drafted out, man. I think we're all drafted out. We're drafted out. Yeah, I, I, I'm going for the Mel Kiper look with my hair. I'm hoping that ESPN <laughs> will give me Mel's job in the next couple of years. Wouldn't be nice. Rudy Kuyper Jr. Rudy Kuyper Jr. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't even do the voice, you know. You know, Mozzie Smith at 6'10", 544 pounds. I mean, total lineman. I, I can't, he's so fast. I cannot do the Mel Kuyper. Oh, yeah, you're gonna have to do your, you're gonna have to practice that Mel Kuyper impression. I think you can I think you can do it at one day. Do you think we can do a short, maybe a Mel Kuyper short? Well, recording and I'll try to do that, you know. Yeah. We could do we could do the famous sound by the who the hell is Mel Kuiper anyway? You can do that. Like who the hell <laughs> who the hell's Rudy Kuiper? I mean who the hell I, is this Rudy Kuiper? I can try anyway? it. I can try it real quick now. We'll we'll use uh Javon Dexter out of Florida. He was drafted by the Bears. So, you know, Bears picking, you know, fifty three, they take Javon Dexter. <laughs> Mel, what do you got? What you got is six foot six, three hundred and ten pound guy out of out of Florida, Javon Dexter, number seven on my rankings. Really good guy. I mean, we're talking about Chicago here. They're going to need a run defender, and he's definitely the guy coming out of Florida. Number seven on my position rankings. Really good player. Really good player. Did I nail it? 
Did I nail it? Pretty solid. You, you, you might want to go a little bit faster. It has to be faster. Bit. You're probably too young, but it's probably like the micro machines guy. I don't know if you're into the mini micro machines guy. Like mini micro machines. I was like, holy shit, this guy's fast. If you haven't seen it, you need to look it up on YouTube. I think I look will. up mini micro machine commercial, and you'll definitely. If I can go that fast, and you know what, we're gonna stop the podcast, and I'm gonna go into a whole new type of broadcasting and stuff, but. We're gonna do this short, man. We gotta do the milk hyper short. See if I can get it. I can get my hair that that puffy. I don't know. Oh yeah. I'm gonna we'll, try. We'll record that short soon. <laughs> oh god, this is gonna be awesome. And if Kuiper likes it, maybe we can do a Kuiper on Kuiper type thing or something like that. But until then, man, you know what? Draft grades are coming out on the Substack. Again, please subscribe to it. Substack at sweepthelink.substack.com. For stats, it's Rudy Compass Jr. until we sweep the league again next week. We'll see you guys soon. Oh, yeah.